You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Robbie Quintero. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. You guys take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. Man, you know, first before I get started, I just want you all to know, I, I think this is important for all of us to know that, you know, those who come to City Tribe, you know, you're a part of a tribe, right? You're part of something way bigger than yourself. In fact, you know, you can lean on the people around you here, no matter what, right? Whether you have an empty gas tank or an empty soul, right? These are your opportunities, these are your moments where you could lean on us anytime you need. And so that being said, as a tribe, as a family, let's, let's bow for prayer and then I'll get started uh, today. And so Lord, I thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, just be here with my tribe. God, I pray that you bless our time together. I pray that you give us open ears, open hearts, open minds to the words that you're about to say. And I pray that um, we just are in a posture of ready to receive what you have to speak to us. And so Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. And in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. High five the person next to you. Tell them you're God's best. So we got some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, Valentine's Day right around the corner. Who's excited about that? Yep. Sounds about right. All right, cool. <laughs> Do you remember your first Valentine? Do you guys remember your first Valentine? I remember mine. Um, I was in fifth grade and I, um, I know, what a stud, right? And so um, I was in fifth grade and there was a girl in my class. Her name was Desiree. And Desiree was the prettiest girl I've ever seen up until that point, of course. And so I was like, God, you make them like this? It's amazing. And so um, I remember I saw Desiree and I was like, man, I'm going to do everything I can to ensure that I become Desiree's boyfriend. And so I would use pickup lines that my dad had taught me, like, if you were president, your name would be Abraham Lincoln, you know, and, um, and I would just use these all day. And they would, and, and they, I finally, I finally, I, like, I finally wore her down to the point where she was like, fine, you can be my boyfriend. And I was like, yes, right. So I held her hand. We walked down the hallway. It was, a, it was a huge deal, guys. I'd made it. And so, um, and so I remember it was Valentine's Day and my, I, I convinced my mom to take me to HEB so that I can buy um, my lady a gift. And so I got her this stuffed bear that was holding a heart-shaped box of chocolates. And we then, um, and, and so I, I took this, I took it to school, Valentine's Day, she walks into the classroom in the coolest way I possibly could. I went, here you go, Desiree, happy Valentine's Day, I love you, here you go. And then I ran away. <laughs> and that's, that was pretty much our only interaction that day. And so then um, I remember I was sitting there and I was so excited because she had now got this gift. She knows how much I love her. It's a huge deal, right? I'm like, it's my wife, right? Here we go. And so I'm there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm looking back, seeing it, like how, what she thinks, you know, does she like the gift, does she not, and stuff. And then finally I feel this tap on my shoulder and it's a, it's a touch that only like a goddess can like give, right? And so like, I was like, my lady. And so I turn around and she's reaching over to hand me a note. Now, before cell phones, kids. Uh, we would not text each other. We would pass notes in class. Um, and, and so she's handing me this note. And as I'm willing to reach for it, like slow motion, my teacher intercepts the note. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, no. Like, because then she takes a step back and she begins to open the note and she begins to read it to the class. Now, something that my teacher did warn us about at the beginning of the year was that if we did get caught passing notes, that she would read it out loud. And so this was no surprise to me. I've seen it done a million times. I thought it's hilarious up until this point. And so 
And so she's standing there, she reads the note, and she goes, so she reads it out loud, and then the note reads, thank you for the bear, Robert. And she goes, oh, that's nice, but I don't want to be your girlfriend anymore. (laughs) I know, right? Like, (laughs) I'm in fifth grade, I'm just standing there, and I'm just like, what's happening? And then my now ex-girlfriend's there, she's like, what's happening, right? And she goes, and then the teacher, I guess midway as she's reading it, uh, she goes, what's happening? And so she reads it, and she finishes the note, which, first of all, jerk. And so then she says, she says, it's not you, it's me. Ugh, okay. <laughs> well, my teacher realized she made a mistake, so she folds the note up. She walks over to my desk. She puts the note on my desk, and she goes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so there I am, fifth grader, devastated. I'm sad, I'm angry, I don't know, I'm embarrassed, I don't, know, I don't know what to feel. And I learned at a very young age that Valentine's Day can kind of suck, okay? Like, let's be honest, like, if we, can, if we can be real together, right, Valentine's Day isn't all that great. I mean, even if you're in a relationship, you know that Valentine's Day sometimes... It's not, it's not great because, I mean, there's the stress of, like, planning out the perfect night. you got to make the reservation. you got to, you know, if you don't make a reservation, you got to wait, like, two hours right in a crowded restaurant. There's the stress of, like, having to buy a gift, right, for your loved one that expresses how much you love them as if you haven't already recovered from Christmas, right? And so then, and, and then on top of that, uh, then you have the disappointment if you don't get the thing that you want, right? Ladies, you don't get that ring this year? Oof. Sorry. <laughs> You know, that's a bummer, but I mean, it's, that's part of it, right? Or maybe some of us were, were sitting at the office like Pam did in, in the office, and she's seeing Phyllis receive all these gifts, and she's not receiving a thing, right? And you're sitting there wondering, am I ever going to get recognized because of this? Or maybe for some of us, reality begins to set in a little bit, and you're realizing that there's another Valentine's Day where you are alone, and maybe you feel unlovable or unwanted. Maybe for some of us, a harsher reality sits in and your marriage seems to be not going so well and you feel unseen even in your own home and that sets in and it hurts and you feel devastated by it. Now, if you connect with any of that, you know, first I want to say that I feel for you and that I love you. As, as one of your pastors, I want to share with you and, and tell you that I don't want you to feel that way at all when this day comes around. And, and you know, the fact that we celebrate this day doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you know, like, how Valentine's Day got started, right? I mean, it's about a dude who got beheaded named Valentine. Congrats, you're celebrating a massacre, okay? So, like, that's, so when you go shop for that gift to express how much you love that person, what well, you're doing it in the name of a massacre. So, like, that's, that's on you guys. But anyways, I'm just saying, like, that's, <sighs> besides the point, that's not even my point. Somebody's like, who hurt you? It's like, Desiree did, okay? Um, <laughs> but, but there's also, there's also, I mean, it's just, a, it's just a ploy to get our money, right? I mean, last year, Last year, in 2019, people spent $20.7 billion in one day on Valentine's Day. $20.7 billion. Now, to be fair, 398 of those million went towards pets, which is adorable. Keep doing that. But $20.7 billion went towards Valentine's Day, which kind of frustrates me that we would allow a holiday like this, but we would allow you know, the culture and the marketers to steal our joy when all we're doing is just trying to express how much we love the people in our lives. And so this year, I'm going to propose something to you guys, and I'm hoping that you and I can take on this new perspective of Valentine's Day. And so if you're on board with me, say yes. Yes. Oh, come on, try it again. Say yes. yes. 
There you go. All right, cool. Now we can continue. All right, perfect. And so, um, and so I want to you know, turn your attention to one of my favorite stories in the scriptures located in the Old Testament that gave me um, this new perspective on what this holiday uh, could be. And so it was the year, uh, it's, it's the year 1046 BC, and a man by the name of Saul was named the king of Israel. And, um, you know, having this responsibility, King Saul was given the responsibility and really the opportunity to lead God's people in a way that would put God on display for the entire world to see. I mean, he had an incredible responsibility. And, and King Saul had a son named Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is the heir to the throne. And like Jonathan, being the heir, to, or, or like, like us on Valentine's Day, being the heir to the throne, Jonathan was expecting a lot. And he, and he should have been expected a much. I mean, he was the firstborn of a king, meaning that he was next in line to become that king. And so um, he was able to expect horses and land and servants and power and, and status and women and most importantly, the opportunity to then lead God's people as soon as Saul was no longer king. Now, he had all this, right? His life was made until his dad, King Saul, messed up. See, God instructed Saul to do something and Saul decided to not follow God's instructions. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit left King Saul and went to go select a new king of Israel. And God chose David, the defeater of Goliath, the youngest of eight sons, the, the common shepherd. He went and chose this boy. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Jonathan, I'm super bummed at this point. Because, you know, just think about this. He lost everything. He lost his possible inheritance. He lost his possible status, his possible power. He lost the chance to sit on a throne, and it wasn't because of anything that he did. I think that's the worst part. Like, he didn't do anything wrong, but he lost it because of what his dad did or what was done to him. And here, here's what's even more ridiculous, that the guy that took his spot, David, um, was now working for King Saul. And so Jonathan had to see David every single day, and it was a constant reminder of his new reality. And can you imagine... Can you imagine how disappointing this must have been for Jonathan? Well, here's what the prophet Samuel um, recorded for us in 1 Samuel 18. You can read with me. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan had become one in spirit with David. And he loved, everybody say loved. And he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now, I want to teach you something here. That word loved in this context is the Hebrew word ahava. Everybody say ahava. Congratulations. Look at you speaking Hebrew. Wow, that's awesome. Who would have thought? Not me. I'm just kidding. But ahava. Right. The root word of that is ahav, which means to give. And so this word literally means Love that gives, or to give love. To give love. In other words, Jonathan, instead of expecting to receive, he chose to instead give love. He chose to give love. Jonathan had every right to feel depressed. He had every right to feel angry. He had every right to hate David. But instead of expecting to be the center of attention, he chose to give love to David. And this wasn't a one-time action. See, Jonathan made a covenant with David. Basically, what that means is that he made a promise between him, David, and God, an unbreakable promise 
that Jonathan would give his best energy, his best uh, resources, his best time to ensure that David was taken care of. And the fact that the phrase loved him as himself is repeated, it's said twice in this, in this scripture, tells us that the author and God wants us to, uh, to pay extra attention to this. It's that important for us and for our life. Ahavav. And so we're supposed to love. We're supposed to give our attention and our affections to the people around us who need it. You see, we're made to think that Valentine's Day is all about receiving. Right? What am I going to get? Who's going to notice me? You know, who's going to reach out to me? But the truth is that we take on this new perspective that we're turning it around and we're saying, well, who am I going to notice? Who am I going to give love to and expect nothing in return? Ahava. Now, what does this mean for us practically? Like what, it, like what can we do, you and I do, to live out this ahava love for one another? Well, number one, we're going to live an authentic life. Turn to the person next to you and say, be real. Be real. Turn to your second option and say, be real. Be real. Right? Here's how it looked for Jonathan. Verse 4 says this. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic. And even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Basically, what, what Scripture is telling us here is that uh, Jonathan was so committed to sharing this ahava love with David that he literally gave him the clothes off his back. Why is this important? It's important because he was then vulnerable and naked for his bro. Right? He put himself in a place to be vulnerable. And so what I'm going to challenge you guys with today is that in order to share this ahava love with somebody, you have to be in a place where you are vulnerable with somebody. And for some of us, that terrifies us. For some of us, that's scary because we've never been real. We've never been vulnerable with anybody before. And so the thought of doing that now is terrifying. But what does that mean? It means living authentically, allowing them to see who you really are, right? How, you know, what your biggest struggles are, what your biggest secrets are. What what are the things in your life that keep you from living your purpose? You know, be real with them. It's uncomfortable and it's weird. I get it, but it's totally worth it because when you do that, you, have, you give each other the opportunity to hold each other accountable and keep each other on course. I mean, I remember when I did this for the first time, um, it was 2016, so like four years ago, and um, I had just finished hanging out with one of my friends. He's now my best friend. His name is Josh. In fact, he's right there. I love you, buddy. And, and, um, and I remember we were sitting in my car. And it was, it was weird because like, I felt in my spirit that the Lord's saying, hey, and somebody had told me, like, hey, you need to have somebody like this in your life. And so I felt in my spirit like, man, you got to ask Josh. And, but I didn't know how to, you know, because like, how do you like, have this conversation with somebody? And, and so I was just kind of sitting there and I was like, hey, man, you know, I just want to know if like, you want to be like best friends or something. You know, I don't know. Like, that's, that's kind of your thing. And, and, and Josh was sitting there and he was just like, what's happening right now? Right. And so um, he, he looks at me and he's like, hey, man, you know. That means a lot, but, but you know, to be real, man, it's, it's, uh, it's not you, it's me. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, he didn't say that. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean, but, but in that moment, in that moment, we, I clearly defined, man, like this is what, this is the kind of friendship that I want with you. And, and in, in that moment, and since then, Josh has been a person that I can go to and, and just share about 
anything with, share my life with, I can share all my struggles, you know, all my mess ups and mistakes. And I, and I know that for a fact that I'll be listened to, that I'll be cared for, um, and that he has the best intentions for my life. You know, and I also have uh, a friend named Alex who, you know, in the same way, I had an awkward conversation with him as well. And, um, and now this guy has a green light, just like Josh does, to speak into my life, you know, both in the good and the bad, because I know for a fact that he has my best intention in his heart. And um, it's because of these two men that I get to be the pastor I am today. In fact, it's because of these two men that, that I am the pastor and con- get to continue to be the pastor um, because without them holding me accountable and checking up on me and, and allowing me to be real and authentic with them, I mean, I don't know where I'd be um, right now. It's important to have this in your life. And um, look at me again in verse 4 because there's something else I want you to see about this verse. Um, it says this, Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing. Now, um, the robe that Jonathan was wearing, right, it wasn't like some, you know, random shirt he found at the flea market, right? Like this is, this is you know, Gucci, right? This is Louis Vuitton, like real Gucci, you know? And, and, and it's, it's royal garments. It's, it's something that is of worth, of value, that only he has. It's a limited edition, one of one. Like it is important. And so for the fact that he would take it off and hand it to David tells us that not only is he willing to get vulnerable and real with them? But he's also willing to acknowledge that he has a significant purpose in his life. And in every, in every area of David's life, Jonathan wanted to make sure that he knew that that is the purpose that God had given him, even down to the way that he dressed. I mean, he gives him, and that's how significant this is. Now, another way to, to share ahava for somebody Around you is to protect purpose. Everybody say protect purpose. Right? You have to be a protector of their purpose. In fact, we see this play out in Scripture. Now, the Bible says that King Saul gave a lot of assignments to David, and David was successful at everything. I mean, is there somebody in your life right now that you know is just good at everything? And it's kind of annoying sometimes, but you're like, wow, I wish. That's pretty cool, right? Some are like, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. Um, and, and so David was this guy. He was good at everything. He's good, and he was, he was becoming popular. They were starting to sing songs about David and how he was like better than Saul. Like they were just praising David. And this happens. First um, Samuel 19, it says this, And King Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning, stay in a secret place, and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. See, Jonathan had such a deep ahava for David that he was willing to do anything and everything he could in his power to protect David's purpose, which is to become king of Israel, even if that meant going against his own father. It's crazy. And so for, for you, as you seek to live out this love for somebody, part of your responsibility is doing everything and anything you can to protect their purpose. And here's the thing, when we are real with each other and we share our innermost struggles, basically what we're sharing is, hey, this is the thing that keeps me from living my purpose. So can you look out for that? And your responsibility is to get them far um, and, and shoot, just far away from the thing that will destroy that purpose. That's part of 
living out. Ahava, do anything and everything you can to protect their purpose. Everybody say protect, protect purpose. See, Jonathan had this deep, deep ahava for David. And here's the thing. Like, I know, like, it's kind of easy for me to come up here and preach and, and talk about this. And it's easier for us to sit right in our seats and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to live this life. I'm going to live authentic. And I'm going to, you know, do everything I can to protect purpose. And I'm going to submit my life and give my entire life to ahava. And I'm, and I'm never going to you know, live any different than this. But, but the reality is that we're human and we're messed up. You know, nobody's perfect here. You're not expected to be perfect. If you feel like you have to be perfect to follow God, that's the biggest lie ever. So, like, don't believe that. You don't have to be perfect. But, you know, I do want to acknowledge that, hey, because of our imperfections, sometimes life kind of feels like one big roller coaster. Yes? And there's no doubt that the people that we love, the people that we want to share this ahava with, are going to experience those roller coasters. I mean, I remember the first time, that I went on like a real like big roller coaster. I was 13 years old. I, I was uh, about to go to Dallas for a band trip because I played band in middle school, trumpet first year, no big deal. And so, um, <laughs> and I was, I was about to go on this trip. And so part of the trip was that we go to Six Flags over Texas in Dallas. And so my dad um, knew that I was terrified of roller coasters. Like he just, he just knew. He's like, you're, you're the biggest baby in the world. And so he took me to Fiesta, Texas here, and he, uh, he looked at me and he goes, hey man, he goes, so you're gonna go on this trip and there's gonna be a girl who's gonna wanna ride a roller coaster with you because it always involves a girl, right? And so, um, so she's gonna wanna ride this roller coaster with you but you're gonna be too afraid to ride this roller coaster and another guy's gonna take your spot. And I said, no, he's not, <laughs> right? And so then, so he goes, so before we leave today, uh, you're gonna ride every single roller coaster in this park. I went to the bathroom so fast. Like, I just ran straight to the bathroom because I was terrified because it scared me. And so I remember we, we stood in line. It was for the Rattler. Now, this was before the Rattler was, like, fun, right? This was, like, you need to see a chiropractor after you got off of it because of how, ter- how terrible this was. And so, so we're in line for the Rattler at Six Flags, this huge wooden roller coaster. And, um, and we're standing in line, and we get close to the front. We're now second in line. And I look to my dad, and I go, Dad, I'm so scared right now. And in the most loving, fatherly way possible, he looks at me and he goes, if there's a roller coaster to be afraid of, this is the one. <laughs> I started crying. <laughs> the girl in front of me started crying. And she ran off and her mom was like, are you serious, man? And my dad was just like, that's awesome, right? And so, so now it's our turn to get in line. And if you've never been... On a roller coaster, that's totally cool. I'll give you the best example that I possibly can. We sit in there. They lock us in. Um, at this time, I'm kind of small, so, like, the thing doesn't go all the way down. And it's kind of, like, a little loose, and I'm just like, oh, man. Uh, and then, like, the girl who's, like, way too happy to, like, make everybody miserable is like, welcome to the Iron Rat or welcome to the Rattler. You know, she's all, like, really excited. And she's like, sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride. All clear, right? And I'm just like, all clear. Oh, here we go. And so we're going. Now, the ride starts with a huge drop right? Like huge. And so we're going up and it's just like, and I'm just like, what? I go, we're going, we're see, I can see the top of La Cantera at this point. I'm just like, this is crazy, right? It's like, so we get all the way to the top. And I'm just like, wow, look at the park. It's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, look, I can see my mom. And I just go, right? And I'm just like, Doom. and I'm going down. And I remember in this moment, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I don't want to ride this anymore. This is the worst. I'm ready to jump off, right? And in that moment, I'm thinking that my dad then reaches over 
and he grabs the other side of the cart. And in this moment, I'm thinking, he's thinking like, oh, if my son falls out because the thing didn't really lock that well, then like I'm gonna get in trouble. So then he, but he doesn't know that if I were to fall out, like that wasn't gonna protect me. Like that's not gonna do anything. But, but in that moment, something happened. As soon as he put his arm over me, I felt all of a sudden like I was safe. Like I couldn't fall out. I was like, oh, this is fine. And I was able to then enjoy the rest of the ride. I mean, I had a headache the rest of the day, but like it was totally worth it. And it was amazing. And in the same way, in the same way, when we are sharing that ahava with somebody, in that same way, and we see them going through the roller coasters of life, the ups and the downs, because there's no doubt there are moments where, we, where each one of us have been in a place and we thought to ourselves, God, why in the world would you bring me here? God, why in the world would you allow me to go through something like this? There's no doubt the people that we want to share this love with are feeling the same exact thing. When we see them, we have to be the person that sticks our arm around them and reminds them of their purpose and reminds them of their purpose. So you have to be a reminder of purpose, just like Jonathan was for David. Let me explain. David is now at a point where he is running. He's running for his life because King Saul is out to kill him. He's hunting him down. He's, in fact, he killed an entire town because they helped David at one point. And so he's running, he's in caves, he has, he's on the ultimate roller coaster because at one point he was, on, he was at the top. He was wearing Jonathan's royal robe. He was living um, in the palace like he is living the dream. And then all of a sudden now he finds himself hiding in caves. And if anybody were to question God, David would be the one that would have permission to do that. Because he's saying, God, you promised me this and for whatever reason, I'm now hiding in this cave, afraid for my life. But then he has his friend Jonathan, who again loved him as he loves himself. And he says this um, in 1 Samuel 23, it says this, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him, here it is, find strength in God. Don't be afraid. He said, My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king of, over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And then Jonathan went home, and David remained in Horish. You see, sometimes it's not necessarily just protecting and being authentic and real, but it's taking moments when we see our friends on that roller coaster, and we know that they want to jump off that roller coaster. But we know that if they jump off, that it can cause way more harm if they just stayed on. And so in the moments that they're standing there and they're thinking to themselves like, God, why would you bring me through this? God, I, I obviously don't have a purpose because of how terrible my life is right now. And you can be a reminder of that purpose. God does have a purpose for you. God did create you exactly the way he wanted you. And you can be that reminder. So here's what I want you to do this Valentine's Day. You know, I want, one, I want us to be excited about Valentine's Day because it's something, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to display a love that is so much greater than anything that culture tells us love is, right? It's an opportunity for us to share that ahava with somebody. So what I want you to do is I want you to pick one person, your husband, your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, your, your, your coworker, your child, whatever that one person is, whoever that one person is, pick one person to share Ahava with, to be a Jonathan too. Pick one person to live an authentic life with, to be real with, to protect their purpose 
and to be a reminder of their purpose. And two, once you identify that person, go to that person and tell them that you're going to be that person for them. Have that conversation. Define that relationship with you, with them. Because if you just start being nice all of a sudden and start trying to protect them all this stuff, it's going to be weird. So don't do that. But go up and tell them, this is what I'm doing because God put you on my heart to do this for. Right? Step into the opportunity. Use this Valentine's Day as a reminder. And every Valentine's Day from now on to be a reminder that you are called to live out Ahava. Now, I know some of you here today, you're, you're, you're sitting here and you're, and you're listening to me. You've listened to this entire sermon and you're thinking to yourself like, well, that's great, but, but that's not for me. Uh, because the things that have happened in my life, the things that I've done, things that I've experienced, well, they disqualify me, from, disqualify me from that. I'm not qualified or capable of sharing a love like that. Well, I knew you'd feel like this. That's why I brought this next part, all right? So I want you to receive this, because this is true about you. This is important for you to understand. Jonathan, an amazing friend, right? An incredible example of Ahava, didn't even get a chance to see his best friend live out his purpose. Because he died in a battle along with his father way before David became king. Now, once David did become king, you know, because of the love that Jonathan had for him, he decided, hey, I need to discover, I need to think of a way that I can honor Jonathan, so he asked this question. He asked, well, is there anybody in Saul's household that I can show kindness to in, in honor of Jonathan? And he learns that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. And, and David was like, dope, bring him in. You know, so he brings him in. He, uh, he says this to him. He says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan I will restore to you the land that belonged to your grandfather and you will always eat at my table Mephibosheth I'm going to show you kindness not because of anything that you did but because of who your father is and what he did for me but then Mephibosheth responded like this he bowed down and said what is your servant that you would notice a dead dog like me if I imagine right now, as we talk about how much purpose you have and how much love you have, all because of God, I imagine some of us are sitting here and we're thinking, well, well, who am I that, that God would notice somebody like me? Who am I that God would notice somebody who's been abused, somebody who has abused? Who am I that God would notice somebody who's been to prison? Who am I that God would notice a nobody dead dog like me? And the same way that David responds to Mephibosheth is God responding to you. And he's looking at you right now. He's saying, because of who your father is and because of what I did through my son Jesus on a cross, that everything that the world says disqualifies you, I've made clean, I've made perfect. And there's nothing in your life right now that I can't overcome you. And here's the thing. The reason why Mephibosheth felt this way was because he was paralyzed in his feet. And so for his entire life, the world has told him that he was cursed by God, that he would never do anything great, that he would never amount to anything. 
He was a grandson of a disgraced king and a disgraced family. He had every reason to, to believe that he wasn't good enough. And hey, you know what the truth is? That every single one of us in this room have every reason to believe that we're not good enough. But that's what makes Jesus so special. That it's through the ahava that God has for us that we can take everything that disqualifies us and just toss it out. Because here's the thing, for God so loved the world that he gave, love that gives, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come here to tell you how jacked up you are. We know we're jacked up. He came to save you from that. By being born of a virgin, by living a perfect life, by dying a death on a cross that was just brutal. And then by defeating death, hell, and the grave, resurrected three days later, now lives in heaven with his father. And here we are. The only thing that we have to do to receive that is just believe that that's true. Believe that that's, that, that that's true. And then in a moment, we can be saved from a reality that we live in right now. And so let's bow our heads together. Let's pray. And we'll wrap up with this. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for every single person in this place. God, I thank you for the opportunity to come here to learn about this unique love that you have called us to. And God, I thank you for looking at me and looking at, at each one of us and seeing that despite all the things that may disqualify us from doing anything great, that you see the person that you created way before we breathed on this earth. And so God, I pray for anybody who doesn't know you that they choose today to step into a relationship with you. They choose today to step into a relationship with a God who gives them purpose for a God that wipes them clean, for a God that takes everything that disqualifies them and gives purpose to it. And so, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, I pray for boldness as we choose to step into Ahava. And God, I pray that you bring to mind a person that you want to share this love with. God, we pray that, that through this Ahava that that you restore marriages, that you restore relationships between family members, that you bring a peace over the workplace, and that you give us deeper friendships than we could have ever imagined. And so, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. And in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.